The transfer portal is crazy, and somehow it could get even crazier. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team free, but until then, beloved and loaded conference of champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So the portal could go even crazier. Couple transfers to uh, keep an eye on for every team in this conference, or frankly, every team in the country for that matter. And our first bowl game examination coming up on today's show. It's about time. It's about time college football is back on our TVs this weekend, and indeed it shall be. Until then, what is on the top of everybody's mind right now, or at least that's the way it seems, is the transfer portal. And the transfer portal is popping. I mean, it is like a uh, John Ralphio and Tom Haverford party on a Friday night. I mean, they, they got all sorts of people. They got stars. They got drinks. They got music. They got DJs. They got everything you need. It is popping in there. And yet, it might get even crazier. So there was a lawsuit against the NCAA in which a temporary ruling, my understanding, has been issued. So in effect, through December 27th, there is no longer an ability for the NCAA to block two-time transfers. So what currently exists in the NCAA model, who as an organization, I think we all just find ourselves asking over and over again, what is it you do here? What are you doing that's making things better for, I don't know, anybody? Mm, I I don't really know. So if you want to transfer and you're not a graduate transfer and you have already transferred once and used your freebie transfer in which you are immediately eligible, if you want to avoid having to sit out a season, you have to apply for a waiver. There have been some very high profile cases in which players have had their waivers denied. And sometimes those waivers get overturned on appeal. Sometimes they do not. Tez Walker at North Carolina was a very public instance all season long. There are many others. There was a case for a Cincinnati basketball player in the Big 12 named Aziz Bandego, who you know applied for a mental health waiver, was initially denied, and then he was not denied, and it was approved. And so what's essentially happening right now, and this is not for sure going to be locked up for 2024 and beyond, but for the next two weeks it is, anybody can transfer and the NCAA can't do anything about it. There is no more waiver application. All your waivers are just automatically approved. It's like that scene in uh, in Hogwarts at the end of the Chamber of Secrets when Dumbledore says, in light of recent events, All the final exams are canceled. That's what it is. They're just gone. They're done. They are no more. 
So if you think the portal's crazy now, for the next two weeks, you could see even more names than might have gone in previously because there is no rule saying if you transferred last year, you can't transfer this year, at least for the next two weeks. Now, the transfer portal window closes on January 2nd. And when the calendar year flips over, there's going to be a consideration of this rule. And <laughs> this is just... It's hard to imagine that the portal could get more active, that it could get crazier. And yet, here we are. That is a very real possibility. So you have players. This is particularly impactful, by the way, for college basketball. There are players all across the country who have applied for waivers to be immediately eligible as a, number, as a two-time transfer before they're a graduate student, in which you're already able to be immediately eligible. There are players who are not eligible that immediately are able to play. And then on December 27th, it's going to get reviewed, interpreted, sent to a higher court. Not entirely certain there. They're going to look at it again, and it might revert back. So you could have players in college basketball who transfer, who, who transferred this offseason, rather, who have been ineligible up until this point. December 13th, as I'm recording the show, who could be eligible till December 27th could play. And then starting January 1st or 2nd could then become ineligible once again. <laughs> I mean, you can't make this stuff up. You, you just can't. So as it pertains to college football, yeah, maybe you could see a few more names go into the portal because the opportunity is right now. You got to strike while the iron's hot because you don't know if that rule is going to revert back next year. Now, the other thing that is being considered is a more strict interpretation or rather enforcement of the transfer portal. And I read up on this uh, thanks to Ross Dellinger at Yahoo Sports, who has done great writing and whatnot during the, the, the realignment stuff. And he's got a great piece laying all this out. So there is one movement that is saying anyone should be able to transfer at any point in time and the NCA shouldn't be able to do anything about it other than perhaps, you know, creating designated windows. But then there's another movement in which they're saying, hey, we need to put a cap on this transfer portal stuff. And the NCAA needs to put the genie back in the bottle as best they can. And we need to go back to, yeah, if you're, you know, a, a non-graduate transfer and you transfer a school, you got to, you know, go back to forcing kids to sit out a year. And, and th this is just all you know, in lockstep with, with what is constantly re reflected in the NCAA's governance of these sports that we hold so dear. They don't have a firm grasp on anything. They do not know what they're doing. They don't have a plan. They don't have a strategy. They just go. They're like the Joker in the Dark Knight. They're like a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with it if I caught one. You know, I just do things. That's the NCAA. They just do things. No rhyme, no reason, no plan. Just look at the way that they, you know, unleash the portal on everybody. Look at the, the, the college football schedule. Look at everything about this sport outside of the product on the field. And you'll understand why the NCAA gets so much criticism. Because they're just making all of these massively influential governing decisions that you look at and go, why? For the benefit of whom? 
What is the point? What is the re there, there there's, there's nothing about all this stuff that makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. Here's my favorite part about this. And by favorite, I mean the wildest part. When these players, and this is how much we care about college sports and politicians are very savvy with this. When these players are ruled ineligible for reasons that most people can see are kind of ridiculous, there have been instances in which attorneys general have gotten involved and gone to the NCAA and said, you can't do this and you are not treating our player correctly. And then the NCAA has backed off. That's what happened with Aziz Bandego over at Cincinnati. The AG said, uh, hey, I don't think this is right, and you don't have a case here. And the NCAA said, oh, well, we've, we've seen new information, and we're going to you know, allow him to play now. And I'm not taking a stance one way or the other on whether that's valid. I'm just saying that that has happened. I think the North Carolina Attorney General, I think you've had Florida politicians get involved with this stuff. The fact that the NCAA has let it get to this point is, is pretty wild. But if they were... If, if they were to keep the rule where you could have a two-time transfer or a three-time transfer or just you know no limit, no cap on the number of times you can transfer before you have to sit out a year, I think you'll see even more crazy movement in the portal. And you know what? At the same time, it'll create a lot of interest in the offseason among sports fans. I think it'll be a turnoff for a lot of college football fans. And it'll feel a little bit more like college basketball where everything's geared towards the postseason because you're, you know, trying to get to know your players throughout the course of the regular season. I, I think it's pretty wild what is happening, but there are a lot of players in the portal. There could be even more. Two guys in the portal that everyone should be aware of. Malik Murphy and the Pac-12's very own, Stanford's very own at least, formerly, Benjamin Urosik. You got to know those two names. You also got to go over to Prize Picks because that's the largest daily fantasy sports platform in all of North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and then you watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy. So your entries stay in play. Even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half, does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So that's an injury insurance policy for those of you who like pronunciations. If you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz, you can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. Go to PrizePicks.com slash LockedOnCollege. Use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. That's PrizePicks.com slash LockedOnCollege. Use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. That transfer portal, it'd be wildin'. It'd be absolutely wildin'. So, two names everyone should be aware of. Let's start with the quarterback, because that's what everyone cares about the most, of course. Texas's Malik Murphy is in the transfer portal. He's been Texas's backup this season, filled in when Quinn Ewers was out for a couple games, won a couple games for the Longhorns, was not overstating things, an integral part of them making the college football playoff this year as they're getting set to battle Washington in the Sugar Bowl. Now, one thing that Joel Klatt pointed out, and he is correct about, as he often is, not always, but often is, 
is that the schedule in college football is so backwards. And I understand the academic concerns in the calendar there. I'll get to that in a moment. But he said, I don't think Malik Murphy wanted to enter the portal before the Sugar Bowl. But if he's going to be a starting quarterback next year, which he appears worthy of doing, or worthy of being rather, he has to. This is the window that the NCAA provides, which again, I go back to what is it you do here and to whom are you benefiting with all of these rules and everything that, you know, you implement for creating the structure of college sports. I it just, it, it just continues to baffle the mind, but this is where we are. So I agree that if you're the number two quarterback on a college football playoff team and you have been all season long, what if your starters got to go out for a series or two? I mean, the opportunity to just be there with your team, it it stinks because his options are either, you know, ride the bench again next year, try to find a portal spot in the spring, but that doesn't really work out because guess what? Everyone will have filled their quarterback voids by then or leave his team so that he can ensure himself an opportunity to start next year because Quinn Ewers is apparently coming back and he'll be Texas' starter as he should be. So I think that stinks for Malik Murphy. 100%. And I understand this decision and I hope Texas fans do as well. But when you look at where he could end up, yeah, there are a lot of spots where, where it could work out, but just a thought on the calendar for a moment, there are going to be early enrollees who start playing. I I know for a fact that there are players that are going to sign in the 2024 recruiting cycle They're going to sign on the early national signing day, which is a dumb thing anyway. They're going to participate with their teams in bowl game practices. But what about the high school academic calendar? High school gets out in June. That's why when people say things like, well, it has to align with the academic calendar. like You can make it work if you really want to. If you have the will to act on it, as Thanos said, I'm just full of pop culture references today. And you know what? That's all right, because that's kind of the theme of every particular show that, that I host here, which I appreciate you tuning into. So if you have the will to act on it and just the the wherewithal to realize that that would be better for the sport in so many ways. Yeah, I think you could make it happen because kids are, you know, graduating high school early and rolling in college while their friends are still you know, back in high school and they've got like 5 months of school left. Like don't the academic calendar argument, I just don't think that holds enough water at least in my view to be a reasonable explanation as to why the calendar is 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 so very very messed up. So uh that's that. But so Malik Murphy is a guy who is capable as we have seen of starting and winning power five football games. Good talent, good player. I won't say I watched him a ton. I watched him a little bit. And yeah, I think you can start and win football games. Can you win a conference championship with Malik Murphy? I think that remains to be seen. But are there teams currently in the Pac-12 that would be a fit for the former Texas Longhorn? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Oregon State and Washington State are the obvious ones. But there are three other schools that I look at and go, what are your quarterback plans for next year? And do you for sure have an option that is better than this guy? So first name that comes to mind is Arizona State. Kenny Dillingham, I don't know what's happening with Jaden Rashada. I've heard one way or the other that he might not be there next year. Maybe he is. But who do you feel better about to win games for you in 2024, which is year two? And if you're Kenny Dillingham, you got to think about that. Hey, do I need to win more than three games in year two? 
to assure the fan base and the alumni and the you know NIL collective that he's always trying to fire up and doing a good job of, by the way, is that something that I need to be concerned about? Because if so, I might have a better chance of winning games with Malik Murphy than Jane Rashada and might move in that direction. That could be an option. And Dillingham has had propensity for recruiting quarterbacks, both in the portal and from the high school ranks. That much has been clear going back to his time at, at Oregon as the offensive coordinator when he had Dante Moore committed once upon a time. But we'll see. Arizona State could be an option for Malik Murphy. And then the L.A. schools as well. I think the L.A. schools would absolutely take a look at him. Now, I think UCLA would be a little bit of a better fit. I don't know if Malik Murphy's got, you know, the the, the tie. I don't – he doesn't need the ties to USC, but – when I watch him, I think that he is a good quarterback. I don't know if he's the sort of guy that Lincoln Riley is is looking for. I think he's you know best suited to be in a balanced offense like the one Steve Sarkeesian you know really tries to implement at Texas. I think that's where he succeeds, which is why I think UCLA would be a better fit than USC. But the Trojans were after Dylan Gabriel, and you know he throws the ball I think uh, a little bit better, or at least he has more in his career than Malik Murphy to this point. So the Trojans, even though they have some quarterback talent on their roster, could still be after a portal guy. And I have no inclination or have not seen anything to indicate that, you know, either L.A. school has you know made a legitimate push for, for, for Malik Murphy here. But I think that he could be a fit at either of those particular spots. The other one, and it's highly unlikely given their nature, but Stanford could be a fit. I, I just because. If he went there, you know, you, you'd ask, you'd have to ask yourself for the Cardinal. Is Ashton Daniels, number one, going to be back next year? I think so, but we're not sure. Is Ashton Daniels better than Malik Murphy? He showed some glimpses this year. Thought he looked pretty darn good, frankly, uh, from time to time. You know, he started the season really strong, and then they were kind of going back and forth with Justin Lampson. But then they settled on Daniels. He did a lot of really, really good things. But Stanford's still just such a tough place to transfer to. I just don't see it. I, I I don't see it, even though the possibility could be there. And I think he's someone who could, you know, raise the floor a little bit at at Stanford at the quarterback position. But I, I think that, you know, Oregon State, Washington State, Arizona State, USC, UCLA could all be fits for Malik Murphy. So it's a name to watch for. I don't know if he's going to come out West, but we have certainly seen notable quarterback recruits do that before. Bonex, Michael Penix, DJ Uyungle, Caleb Williams. It, it's worked out pretty well for those guys for, for the most part. I still think DJ Uyungle to UCLA could be a uh, kind of sneaky good option. And then the other name to know in the transfer portal is not as important as quarterback, but arguably, if you just evaluated the position, a guy who is more talented. Benjamin Urosik is the tight end from Stanford, who I I think is just fantastically talented. Like one of two tight end universities in the country. It's Stanford and it's Iowa. And Urosik has been the latest guy. It's just unfortunate his career has coincided with kind of the downfall of Stanford football and, and the way that they have played over the last couple of seasons while he's been there. I believe he'll be a graduate transfer, but that's a guy who, if you add to your offense, you have added a legitimate playmaker. And that is, I won't say a huge game-changing piece. He's not necessarily, you know, a focal point, though he can be, but he just does so much for your team offensively. He can run the ball. 
He blocks pretty well. His hands, his route running, everything is high level there. And, and that can be, I think, a top two or three weapon on a really good offense at the power four level in 2024 and beyond. So Murphy's the bigger name to keep an eye on because he plays quarterback. But anybody who picks up Urasik can play a really key role. I think he's, you know, Brock Bauer's light. You can give him the ball on the fly sweep. He can run the whole route tree, make big plays. Uh, you know, he he was early in the season a big focal point of the Stanford offense, and then teams kind of keyed in on him, and they didn't find an answer until uh, Alec Aomanner a couple weeks later. But did you know that there are two football games featuring Pac-12 teams on Saturday? I know. We've played the last Pac-12 conference game, but the last team taking the field with Pac-12 logo on their patches has not happened yet, and we're going to talk about one of those games right after we talk about FanDuel because that is where – you can do everything that you want. <clears throat> Gambling related, of, of course. You can't learn how to uh, cook a five-star meal for your girlfriend over there. But as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers do indeed stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action because bowl season is just about here, as I'm about to talk about. You know what spices up bowl season? Throwing down a little action. Are you interested in the LA Bowl between UCLA and Boise State? Maybe not, but you throw a little action on one side or the other, suddenly that's an intriguing game, and FanDuel is the place to do it. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. The first bowl preview, not to be the last. I would be remiss if I didn't use every single opportunity that I have to talk about a team that is playing as a Pac-12 bowl team. There are seven of them this year, by the way. Actually, check that. There are eight. Thanks to my, sarcastically, beloved California Golden Bears, who I'll be talking about on tomorrow's show. But UCLA, Boise State, in one of the newer bowl games in college football, for all the talk about, man, why are bowl games even around? Do they matter? Are they going away? Did you know that they added a bowl a couple of years ago? Yeah, brand new. Guess what? They're clearly making money off of it. The attendance the last couple of years has actually been very good. I expect the attendance to be good once again in the LA Bowl. Why? Because it's a Mountain West champion against a Pac-12 team. And the Mountain West champion wants to see what they've got. And do they hold up against a Power 5 opponent the last two years they have? Did you know? That in the two years of the LA Bulls existence, which is now, it was formerly the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. Now it's the Starco Brands LA Bowl. They've had at least 28,000 people go to the game in each of its first two iterations at SoFi Stadium. That's a pretty, that's, that's pretty solid. Like for bowl season nowadays, that's pretty solid. I didn't look what to see what the TV numbers have been, but that's pretty good attendance. And I'm sure you will see a decent amount of UCLA fans there. I don't know how many because... They might not be enthralled with what Chip Kelly's got going with the program right now. They're playing a Boise State team, though, that I can assure you will travel a decent number of fans. But you'll also probably get some Bruins fans because it's the last chance to watch UCLA this year, of course, and it's in Los Angeles. So it shouldn't be that hard to go to the game. I can't imagine tickets would be crazy expensive. So let's start with what's on the line. 
This game has existed for two years. Did you know that the Pac-12's record in this bowl game is 0-2? Oof, that's tough. That's, that's not great. Utah State beat Oregon State back in 2021, and then last year after Washington State lost both their coordinators, they were promptly housed by Fresno State. They were not beaten. They were beaten badly. They lost by 23 points. It was 29-6, to I think, was the final score. And by the way, Oregon State lost the game by 11. So the Pac-12 not only hasn't won this game, but they haven't even played a game that's been single digits. So that's something that if you're looking at like what's on the line in the game, well, Pac-12's never won it before. That's interesting, at least to me. But I'm also a college football sicko. Now, I think that UCLA fans in this game are either looking for some optimism surrounding Chip Kelly as their head coach, who's you know had to undergo some uh, coaching staff changes, most notably DeAnton Lynn going to USC. That's not great. That is not great if you're a Bruins fan. Or conversely, UCLA fans might be looking for more ammo and ammunition to fuel the fire of why Chip Kelly should be relieved of his duties as UCLA's football coach. I am not in that particular camp. I will say I was a stronger defender when Dante Moore was still around. He is not. He's visiting Oregon this weekend instead. So we'll see how that goes. Chip Kelly, I can guarantee you, would like to win the game. End with a win, take some positivity into the offseason, put up an eight-win year, and say, hey, last three years, it's been eight or more wins. That could be enough to get him another year. We'll see how it goes. That's that's one storyline. Another one from the Boise State side. Spencer Danielson took over as the interim head coach after the Broncos relieved Andy Avalos of his duties. He's since been hired as the defensive coordinator at TCU, which I think is a really good hire. Danielson took over as the interim. They kept winning games. They go to the Mountain West Championship game, and they oh yeah, win. So Boise State is 8-5, and five, which is not the standard of Boise State football that we all know. But when you win a conference championship, it's hard to not hire you as the head coach. Maybe that's why Ryan Grubb will be a coordinator next year, because Boise State won the Mountain West Championship game with Spencer Danielson. You don't think he's going to be motivated? Because this is the first time since being named the head coach and having a contract to be the head coach that he's going to take the field doing so. And he's got a chance to put up the ninth win of the year and beat a Pac-12 team while they're at it. So I think that's kind of big picture what's on the line. What to know about this game. Boise State boasts a running back by the name of Ashton Genty. If you haven't watched this guy play, he's very good. Boise State quietly has had some really nice running backs over the years. Joel Ayayi, going back to Doug Martin. Like they've had some good backs. Ashton Genty's a good one. Over 1,200 yards and 14 touchdowns this year. Who's going to hand him the football? It won't be Taylor Green. Remember him? The now Arkansas Razorback? Yeah, he was a Boise State quarterback this season. He's not there anymore. The college football schedule is dumb and broken. Anyway, I digress. They're expected to start, according to local reports, C.J. Tiller, who is a true freshman. Now, you might say, well, was he the backup this year? Third string, they tossed a couple. No, 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 no. C.J. Tiller is not someone you can watch any film on if you're UCLA and their reshuffled coaching staff. Why? Because he's never thrown a pass before. That's who Boise State is starting. And no, Laiatu Latu is not going to play in the game for UCLA as he prepares for the NFL draft. He's going to be a first-round pick. So Boise State's got a new head coach. 
UCLA's got a different defensive coordinator. Boise State's got a different quarterback. UCLA's best defensive players in playing. There are a mishmash of storylines in this one that I am going to be most curious to see. But the Bruins remain a four and a half point favorite. And the Pac-12 prime picks are so live in bowl season. I'm going to hand out as many picks as I can. You know why? Because right now, sitting at 52%, not content with that. I want to get up to 54, 55, 56%. So my game pick here, given all the factors at play, not having Liatu Latu, nope, that's not ideal for UCLA's defense. There are still a lot of good players on that side of the ball. They have still got some dudes. UCLA's favored by four and a half. And guess what? I got the better, more experienced quarterback in this game with Ethan Garbers poised to start for the Bruins. I've got a more experienced head coach who I do think is motivated to go out and win the football game. And I think a true freshman quarterback, even against a Liatu Latu less defense for UCLA, is going to have some problems. So I like the under 48 and a half. And I think UCLA minus four and a half is the side. Bruins 20, Broncos 13. And that concludes bowl game preview numero uno. Not to be the last, of course. If you got any questions about bowl season, about the transfer portal, about anything and everything, drop them in the YouTube comments below or hit me up on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore pack 12. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.